0: So it's Ecclesiastes chapter eleven, verse nine to chapter twelve, verse eight. You who are young, be happy while you are young, and let your heart give you joy in the days of your youth. Follow the ways of your heart and whatever your eyes see, you know that for all these things, God will bring you into judgment. So then banish anxiety from your heart and cast off the troubles of your body for youth and vigor are meaningless. Remember your creator in the days of your youth before the days of trouble come And the years approach when you will say, I find no pleasure in them. Before the sun and the light and the moon and the stars grow dark and the clouds return after the rain, when the keepers of the house tremble and the strong men stoop, when the grinders cease because they are few and those looking through the windows grow dim, when the doors to the street are closed and the sound of grinding fades, When people rise up at the sound of birds, but all their songs grow faint. When people are afraid of heights and of dangers in the streets. When the almond tree blossoms and the grasshopper drags itself for long and desire no longer is stirred. Then people go to their eternal home and mourners go about the streets. Remember him. Before the silver cord is severed and the golden bowl is broken, before the pitcher is shattered at the spring and the wheel broken at the well, and the dust returns to the ground it came from, and the spirit returns to God who gave it. Meaningless, meaningless, says the teacher. Everything is meaningless.
1: Thanks Julie. Uh, good morning everyone. Are we on? Okay. Uh, today's passage uh, starts by addressing the young. I don't know if you feel young today. Um, uh, so a lot of the uh, applications and thinking we'll do uh, reflects the young, Uh, but if you're not young, and I'd actually suggest most of us here are young, I'm trying not to look in any particular direction when I say most, Uh, but this is useful for us to think through for our children, for those we know, for the culture we live in, Uh, but I'll also suggest ourselves, Uh, and as you'll see, there's a much bigger uh, perspective going on than just addressing young people, so uh, let me pray as we begin this. Uh, The heating has just come on, so... uh, Just as we start to leave, it will warm up, so let me pray. Lord, thank you for your word, and we pray as we look at it now that you would speak to our hearts by your spirit for your glory and for our good. We pray as we come to the close of this fascinating book of Ecclesiastes that you would show us how good you are and cause us to remember you. If we're not sure where we stand with you, We pray that this passage would speak to our hearts and show us the need for our forgiveness and for your grace. We ask in Jesus' name. Amen. Uh, Well, it is uh, addressed to Young, but the first verse... Seems like very ungodly advice, doesn't it? Uh, Have a look at verse 9 of our passage, chapter 11 of Ecclesiastes. You who are young, be happy while you are young, and let your heart give you joy in the days of your youth. Follow the ways of your heart and whatever your eyes see. Young people, go and enjoy whatever your heart or your eyes desire. It's a great verse for the young man or woman to stick on their fridge, isn't it? Uh, if you love football, go watch and play that. Don't bother with church and family and faith on a Sunday. Uh, if you like the look of your boy or girlfriend, then sleep with them. Enjoy yourself. Uh, if your heart desires drug and alcohol at a party, well, go knock yourself out, literally if you want. Enjoy yourself. Perhaps if we still class ourselves as young but a little bit older uh, and you're finding your spouse uh, difficult or hard, Well, go find a better one. See what your eyes and your heart desire. Seek satisfaction somewhere else. If you want to play golf every Saturday rather than spend time with your family and raise them to know the Lord, then, you know, do that. If you prefer reading novels than the Bible, well, do that because your heart will find joy. If you want a career and your children are too much effort and inconvenience to raise them to know the Lord, then we'll forget about them. Do what your heart and your eyes enjoy. It's all about you. Follow what brings your heart and eyes joy. It doesn't exactly sound what we normally expect to hear from the Bible. Uh, But not only does it sound odd, it also seems a bit contradictory. Look at the the end of the very same verse, verse 9. So enjoy all these things, but know that for all these things, God will bring you into judgment. Uh, Go and enjoy it all. But you'll get judged. Uh, Remember the judge. That's actually our first point, remember the judge. But what on earth does this verse mean? Uh, Maybe it's some kind of irony. Uh, Do this and you'll get in big trouble. So in other words, don't. Uh, It seems unlikely. I love a bit of irony. I mean, I don't think that would surprise anyone. Uh, There's plenty of it in the Bible, but the teacher in Ecclesiastes doesn't ever seem to use it. So that would seem odd. How should we interpret this verse? What is he telling us? Uh, Well, this is why, and this is uh, relevant whenever we read our Bibles, this is why context is everything. Context is everything. Uh, you might remember the man who uh, forgot that context is important when he went to his Bible one day. And he thought, you know what, I'm going to randomly open it and pick a verse and see what the Lord has for me. And he turns to Matthew 27, verse 5, and, he said, and it reads, So Judas threw the money into the temple and left. Then he went away and hanged himself. Okay, odd, he thinks. It's a slightly odd verse for the Lord to take me to. Flick some more, Luke 10, 37. Jesus says, go and do likewise. <laughs> There's three types of context, and we have to remember context whenever we read our Bibles. Otherwise, we could take a verse like we've just read and go and enjoy uh, our heart and eyes as we understand it. Uh, The first, I think they're on the screen actually, uh, the first is cultural context. Uh, What would have these words meant to the original readers in their culture. The second is the author's context, or the book in which we're reading. In other words, what does the author mean by what he says? Has he, has he spoken into these subjects before? And the third is the, the Bible context, the big picture context. Um, how does what is said here fit into the big picture of the Bible? Or, or does the Bible say things more generally about these things? Uh, that help clarify the issue we're talking about. Uh, now it's hard to know the cultural context. Uh, this we're talking. No one's. Most people think Solomon wrote Ecclesiastes. Some aren't sure. Either way, we're talking at least 6,000 years ago. Uh, but what it's safe to assume that just because we read it and interpret it one way does not mean that's how it was read in that culture. Uh, so it's not a license for young people to go nuts. Uh, but the second type of context, the context of the author, does really help us Uh, know what he means here though so uh, if we've been listening or reading really carefully as we go through ecclesiastes um, we might read let your heart give you joy and remember that it's almost it's exactly the same phrase in fact in the original language there's just one letter that's changed to chapter 7 verse 3 that says is good for your heart and in the context there in chapter 7 is to adopt a serious attitude to life that is good for your heart Uh, and then we might see whatever your eyes sees, uh, and see that that reminds us of chapter 6, verse 9, which says also what the eye sees, again in the original language, almost exactly the same phrase. And that's in the midst of a passage reminding us that we should rest content in what lies before us, what we see, rather than wandering off and searching for great achievements and wonderful things uh, in this life. In other words, this verse is not all about uh, do whatever you want, the kind of you-only-live-once attitude that our our world and our culture around us loves, uh, of people selfishly selfishly seeking uh, what they want for themselves from this life. Uh, In other words, it's not a call to foolish behavior that he's been actually warning against all the way through the book. Uh, It's a call to live a wise life that doesn't waste your life in foolish living. Uh, In other words, what is good for our hearts in this context is to take life seriously enough to see that we shouldn't waste it foolishly. And what is pleasing to our eyes, what brings joy to our eyes, should be to find enjoyment in what we see before us, contentment in this life and the situation in which we find ourselves in, rather than always looking for something different and better. So be content with the family God has given you even when it's hard and even when it's it's great. Work hard at school or at your job, for God has put you there for now. Enjoy your wife or your husband if you're married. Don't just tolerate them, to quote Tim Guest when he preached on chapter 9 on that issue uh, the other week. Uh, Find joy in your local church family where the Bible is taught uh, rather than being discontent. Respect and treat the opposite sex as you would a brother and a sister. Follow God's ways not the world's. You can see how different context makes verse 9 uh, between what we, our world would interpret it and what the author probably intended it to be. What is good for our hearts and our eyes, in short, is to enjoy being godly, to be wise. Remember, he says, and now this makes a lot of sense, God will judge us for all these things. So do it his way. Nothing else will be good for your heart or your eyes. You'll find nothing else of meaning in this life. Hence he ends the whole section, meaningless, meaningless, everything is meaningless. Well, it is if you don't live for God, wise and godly. Uh, So why is it only for the young? It it seems odd that that would just be, you know, only the young people need to worry about godliness. Uh, Well, I don't think it is. I think his point is more profound I think it's more to do with urging us to make the best decision now, not wait until we're older or until it's possibly too late. So it's not just an address to the young. It's just the saying, while you're young, do this. This is the right time to make the decision. Uh, We've all heard people probably, haven't we, who said, well, I'll think about God when I'm a bit older. For now, I'm just going to enjoy my life. But if you're looking for irony... That is where it is in the world. People who say, well, I'm just going to enjoy my life now. They, and if that's you, who are putting off God, well, you're not going to enjoy yourselves. Uh, you're going to worry about everything. Uh, am I going to pass my exams? Am I going to get a good e- education? Will I choose the right career? Will I find the right spouse? Will I earn enough money? Will I ever get the cool car I want? Will I, will I, will I, will I ever find meaning in life? No says the teacher of Ecclesiastes. Without God, you'll worry about all these things, you'll fret about all those things, you'll have no perspective on all those things, and at the end of the day, you'll be judged by God for those things as well. How much better to remember the God your judge now, while you're young, before it's too late. Uh, the one, the, the God who is judge, whose ways are good for your heart... Good for your eyes, that is what brings you joy. So, verse 10 makes complete sense now. So then, banish anxiety from your heart, because you now live for God. And cast off the troubles of your body, for youth and vigor are meaningless. They don't achieve anything in and of themselves. Cast off your anxieties and your worries. The one who lives only with God as their Lord finds contentment and peace in each day as it comes without worry or fear about what the future holds. Our only concern, he says, if we can bring ourselves to live like this is that one way we will be be judged. Remember that and that will help you live for him now. Stop living for this world and for pleasing our bodies and the troubles that that brings for our youth and our vigor that it's all meaningless he says remember the judge that is the way to live and to bring joy to your heart and your eyes it doesn't mean life will be easy it doesn't mean our troubles won't come our ways but it does give us an entirely different perspective on all of life those things now are not what we're holding on to for meaning and so we can even face those trusting in the lord god Remember the judge. Uh, Those ignoring God while young because they want to enjoy life in their youth, well, it's meaningless, he says. You'll just worry and fret. Uh, You only need to look at some statistics to uh, know that uh, young people today are more stressed, uh, more medicated, more confused, more miserable than ever before, we're told but not so for those who cast their lives on the Lord. Not so for those who remember that God is judge. That he will bring joy for our hearts and our eyes if we seek to live for him in godliness. Living for and remembering him rather than ourselves. Choose godliness while you're young, he says. Don't put it off. Remember your creator God, our judge. Don't wait. Uh, But the teacher seems to not just insist that uh, this way of living is better for your heart and your eyes now, uh, but he also seems to suggest that if you don't do it now, there's worse to come. So remember you're judged now, because you simply might run out of time. So have a look at verse 1 and 2 of chapter 12. Remember your creator, it's all about remembering this passage, remember your creator in the days of your youth, before the days of trouble come and the years approach, when you will say, I find no pleasure in them, before the sun and the light and the moon and the stars grow dark and the clouds return after the rain. I'll call his second point, remember the returning creator. Uh, It is a little bit tricky to know whether in this first section of chapter 12, if the teacher is speaking about remembering God the creator before you get too old and death catches up on you, or if he's speaking, he's definitely talking about that at times, but I think he's also speaking about the end times, the point at which the judge will return. Uh, I previously thought it was all just about our own death coming, but in light of this idea of remembering the judge uh, and our actions there, and then the words he uses, which we'll look at uh, just now, uh, I think it's also saying, remember him before he returns. Uh, Either way, the point is similar. Remember the creator before it's too late is the message. Uh, Now, when you get to verse 6, let me read those to you now. Uh, Our own death is certainly in view. Uh, So have a look at verse 6. Remember him, again he says remember, before the silver cord is severed and the golden bowl is broken, before the pitcher is shattered at the spring and the wheel broken at the well, and the dust returns to the ground it came from, and the spirit returns to God who gave it. It's a poetic picture, isn't it? Uh, Of something that seemed so precious, so wonderful, but just one tiny silver link in that chain needs to break, and the golden bowl will come smashing down to the ground. From dust we came, and to dust we return, he reminds us. Just as before the Creator created mankind, we were literally just dust, nothing. And to dust we will return. In an an earthly sense, life under the sun. Life, your life, my life, our lives. Meaningless, in and of themselves. In fact, worse than meaningless, because he's already reminded us, we'll be judged. Don't ignore him, he says. Remember him now before it's too late. But also, what a terrible day it will be when Jesus returns for those who have waited too long to remember the Lord. Uh, let me read verse 2 to you again and then give you a reference uh, to Ezekiel which I think uh, gives us that picture of the end time so uh, verse 2 of chapter 12 says before the sun and the light so remember him before the sun and the light and the moon and the stars grow dark this is everything goes dark it's not just night time the moon and the stars have gone and the clouds return after the rain and then Ezekiel 32 is on the screen uh, verse 7 and 8. When I snuffed you out, I will cover the heavens and darken their stars. I will cover the sun with a cloud, and the moon will not give its light. All the shining lights in the heavens I will darken over you. I will bring darkness over your land, declares the Sovereign Lord. Remember the Lord, he says. You, you don't want to wait uh, for that day of fear. And on that day, you want it to be a day of hope. That day will catch us all. No one can escape it, whether we are living or dead. And then verse 3, of it, back in Ecclesiastes, I think gives us a picture of that day catching up with all. So when the keepers of the house tremble, and the strong men stoop, When the grinders cease because they are few, and those looking through the windows grow dim. Uh, So in the original, the first verse implies male servants. Uh, So male servants of a large house, well, they will tremble. And the male lords, the strong ones, well, they will stoop. And in verse 4, when the doors to the street are closed and the sound of grinding fades, when people rise up at the sound of birds, but all their songs grow faint. So this time it's female servants in mind, grinding the grain. Well, they will fade. And a better translation of the song, uh, songs of the birds is actually ladies of importance who would sing. And they will grow faint. In other words, male, female, important, slave, all will fear this day. We'll close the door to outside. And verse 5 then makes a lot of sense. I've actually put the translation from the English Standard Version on the screen, which is a bit more literal and I think helps us understand it a bit better. Uh, Did I put it on the screen? I didn't put it on the screen. I'll read it to you. But following yours, it's similar but just changes slightly. Uh, They, so all all people, they are afraid also of what is high. So what's coming from above. And terrors are in the way. Uh, The almond tree blossoms... The grasshopper drags itself along and desire fails because man is going to his eternal home and the mourners go about the streets. Uh, The things that come from above, the return of the Lord in thunder and cloud as all the lights in the sky darken, will bring fear and terror our way. Uh, The almond tree blossoming implies there should be fruit to eat, food to eat, but the grasshoppers, the locusts, well they're dragging themselves along because they've eaten it all and so desire fails we'll seek contentment and comfort on that day but we won't find it we'll be left hungry mankind we read is going to their eternal home it will be a day of mourning and of terror so remember him he says remember him says it again at the beginning of verse 6. Remember him now while you are still young, before the end comes, or before death catches up with you. One way or another, remember him, the creator will return. Otherwise, verse 8, meaningless. Meaningless, says the teacher. Everything is meaningless. Uh, Friends, we know the temptations of the world around us, don't we? Uh, We know they are even more tempting while we're young, or able to enjoy them before we physically get too old. Most of us are still young in that sense here. Uh, We know that sports or hobbies or the World Cup might clash with our faith. I know it's easier to talk of those sort of things with our friends and our neighbours and our family rather than talk to them about Jesus and his return. I know that our careers might clash with our time as uh, raising our children to know the Lord. Uh, If you're still actually young, I know the future might seem daunting and, and scary and it's easier just to pursue those things and look for meaning there but don't let any of those things get in the way of remembering the Lord our judge and that he will return. Don't forget that he is our Lord and God, the creator, and he is coming back to judge. I mean, think how powerful our witness and our conversation will be with our friends and our colleagues and our family when we turn down the golf trip or, or a football match because we explain the Lord captivates us more we revere him above such things that please the eyes and the, the hearts of this world. And when we don't have that one more drink, or we don't choose to indulge in gossip, because we explain we remember the Lord who will judge, and yet he holds out an offer of forgiveness and grace. Perhaps we can invite them, remember him with me, Uh, Join us on Sunday at church. Come to our carol services next week. Find joy with me this year. Find true joy in our hearts and our eyes. Not this stuff that's temporary and will just lead to death and judgment. There is something much better. And it's not just getting it all right. That's not what he said all the way through. He said, remember, strive, live for, because you will be judged. But, as we know the Lord Jesus will forgive those who turn to him. In fact, the Lord Jesus uh, writes a letter uh, in Revelation, which we have recorded for us, Revelation 3, chapter 3. This is a letter uh, John has a vision of, and uh, he reads this letter. Uh, It's to the church in Sardis, and it it reflects almost exactly what is said here in Ecclesiastes. So Revelation 3, verse 3, I'll just read a, a little section of it begins with the word remember remember therefore what you have received and heard hold it fast and repent in other words remember the gospel but if you do not wake up i will come like a thief and you will not know at what time i will come to you hold fast to the gospel hold fast to the truth repent for the times when we have not lived our lives in a godly and right way when we have sought to seek joy for our hearts and our eyes from the world as opposed to obedience and godliness before God. Don't delay, don't forget, because Jesus is coming back and he'll come like a thief in the night and we will not be ready for him if we are found sleeping in this area. So for those of us who strive to live like this, let God's ways be the joy of our hearts and our eyes. That is what will bring us true happiness, joy, contentment, and peace in this life. And let us share that hope with the hopeless, who we once were, but we have found our joy in the Lord Jesus. We don't earn our salvation through getting this right, we have eternal life and meaning. We, we respond to that with this way of life because Jesus gives us grace. He forgives us of the times we have failed. He forgives us of seeking the worldly things. He takes our meaninglessness, if you like, the dust to which we will become again, and he transforms it into being heirs of the Creator God Almighty, where we will live with him, our judge and creator, but we will live in perfection and glory with him forevermore. It's actually what the Lord's Supper reminds us. Uh, another opportunity to remember we're going to be sharing it later uh, it's not a meal to be taken lightly it's not uh, it, it is our remembrance of the lord jesus his gospel the good news it is our joy that we now live for him because of what he has done for us as he died on the cross to take our sin upon himself to take away the judgment that we deserve as he took it himself on the cross so that we are spared and it's to remember that he will come again. One of the passages says that he will not. Jesus will not drink this meal again, as he did with his disciples, until he returns in glory. We cannot take this meal lightly, as if it's a little bit of magic that just sort of makes everything all right. Ah, oh, Jesus, forgive me, and then I can carry on living my own way. No, if we understand this, what he's done for us, then the joy for our hearts and eyes will only be to live for him. Uh, if, uh, it is time, if you like, as we share this meal, as we remember our judge, our creator, and that he will return, to take every step we live for Jesus. Choose what is actually good for our hearts and our eyes each day. Remember our judge and our creator. Celebrate this meal together in remembrance of him and all he's, all he's done. And may we respond to his free gift of grace by living for him this week finding joy and peace in our hearts and eyes let me pray our Lord and Heavenly Father I know uh, I for one and I'm sure each of us who knows you truly will know that we need to come before you in repentance for so many things in our lives this last week forgive us for not seeking what is good for our hearts and eyes. We praise you that we are not saved through our own work or getting this right but thank you that we can strive to live for you and to find joy for our hearts and our eyes in doing so because you have saved. May we remember you, our judge. May we remember you are a creator and you will return. And will we remember, help us remember, that the Lord Jesus has done it all, saved us, forgiven us, and given us life. If we don't know you here today, allow us to come before you now in repentance. And if we do know you today, may we live for you and for your godly glory in every way. Amen.